entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Good Friday morning, everybody. We're back. We're back with your palace, your place. I'm your host, Sherry Marcucci, and this is a presentation of the Palace Theater right here in Waterbury, Connecticut. If you're listening um, somewhere, streaming the show um, and have never visited, I invite you to come and visit not only wonderful Waterbury, um, a wonderful, vibrant city, but also the Palace Theater, which is a beautifully restored historic theater built in 1922, and we just offer the best of touring Broadway, headline acts, all kinds of interesting things we do there, which we're going to talk about some of them um, this morning. But I also um, like to think that we're your place not only for entertainment, but we're your place to learn about some other fascinating things, be it arts and culture, venues in the state, new shows on Broadway, if we talk about literature or books, which we're going to do this morning, uh, or health and wellness, pop culture, you name it. We try to bring you something fascinating, interesting, and hope we're succeeding uh, each and every time we're here, which is always the first and sec- uh, third, rather, Friday mornings of the month. And actually, I made a little faux pas. I just assumed that um, we were on this morning and prepared a show. And apparently, I must have said somewhere last year when we were plotting out the schedule, well, let's, let's skip that first Friday in the new year because I'll just be getting back from vacation, which I I did. I actually enjoyed a lovely, um, kind of the way the holidays fell. I was actually between my vacation time and normal holidays off, uh, I was off for two weeks, which was lovely. And, um, you know, it's such a frantic pace all the time at the palace. And, you know, people think, well, what are you doing? You know, our season is basically September through June, late May. Um, This year it's through June. And, you know, what are you doing for those three months? Well, believe it or not, there's a whole lot that happens because obviously, you know, you have to plan and prepare. I mean, my role is the marketing and public relations officer, and I'm a part of a team, actually. I mean, those things don't just happen magically. They take months of work and planning and implementation so that we can bring you information about the shows. But the booking of the shows, the running of the theater, the raising money because we're a not-for-profit and we're not a commercial theater like the Oakdale is or some venues similar to that. We're a not-for-profit, so the shows don't bring in the money to operate a beautiful 2,600-seat theater. We need to raise that money in our uh, development office led by Natalie Lawler and her committee and, uh, and our other colleagues. They, they do an awesome job to do that. So i just like to bring that up and remind you um, there's still time to make your donation if you'd like to um, support the theater this year in 2020. And by the way, 2020, I know everybody's saying it, but I felt it in my heart long ago. That number feels somewhat ma- uh, not magical maybe divine let's let's i'm going to stay in tune with what we're going to be talking about 2020 feels like it's going to be a year i hope for me personally but i hope for you listening of clarity of knowing you know where you're going what your path is meant to be um and not to be afraid to take those steps into it 
and I, I I just feel something about this year, and I'm I'm actually um, excited about it, looking forward to it. You know, at the Palace, we have a lot of wonderful things coming up this year. Still, in the first half of 2020, as our rest of our season unfolds, um, shows like Finding Neverland, which is a beautiful show. I've seen it. I love it. I love the whole. Peter Pan story, but this takes you to before there was Peter Pan and how J.M. Beery, the author, came to conceive of Peter Pan. And it's a beautiful story of family and finding yourself, really, and letting yourself be open to new possibilities. And, you know, the palace tagline we always talk about is entertaining new possibilities. So I guess that fits in um, what we try to do. Other things we have coming up this season we have I love this I love this juxtaposition we we have Jersey Boys and we've had Jersey Boys two other times Waterbury loves Jersey Boys we're like a Jersey Boys town but what I love about our engagement this year now think about this it's on St. Patrick's Day (laughs) I think that's such a little joke a little wink Um, because if Many, as in my case, um, I'm I'm not Italian. And many people think I am because of my last name, but I married an Italian, and I'm actually Irish, um, and English, and Scotch, and all those good kind of <laughs> um, uh, Anglo Anglo countries I, I hail from, or my my ancestry does and um but so you have a lot of people in that boat they have you know the irish and the italian so i don't know if a lot of people are going to be saying well you go do your thing at st patrick's Day. i'm going to see jersey boys if i don't know but jersey boys is a great show if you've never seen it come and see it and if you have seen it come and see it again it's one of those shows i've seen it about five times now i love it so anyway and we have um our second act series perking back up we're going to have one of our um first presenters of the 2020 uh, year on this show this morning after our first guest and our first guest I have to say, full disclosure, I've known for a long time. Actually, I've known him for about 40 years. And um, his name is Bill Alsh, and some know him as Pastor Bill Alsh, or William Alsh. And Bill actually married my husband and I back in 1985. 85, yes, I have something for a minute. <laughs> and, um, and so we go back a long way. And, um, and then, you know, you came back sort of into my life after my mom passed. And you were a part of um, that and, yes. and my stepdad. And actually, it was when my stepdad passed, not my mom. Right. And um, so, and we've kind of reconnected. And then your lovely wife who is a wonderful actress and singer and has done many um, roles uh, locally anyway um, at the Warner. She was Mary Poppins a few seasons back. Right. She was mother in, um, in, Ragtime. in Ragtime and Beauty and the Beast. She was Mrs. Potts, as you yes. said. So we have a, a shared kind of history we here that do. keeps inter and kind of connecting. But I'm, the reason you're here today Over the holiday, I saw a post on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me to like something. And I was like, what is this? And it was called Killing Time. I'm like, "Mm, what is that? You know, I was trying to figure out where's the, what are we talking about? Is that a biblical, what is it that Killing Time is? So I asked him. And when you told me, I said, oh, 
I have to have you as a guest. <laughs> so, Bill, welcome to your Palisher Place. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Well, and I'm delighted you're here. So, I think my first question to you was, okay, what is killing time? And you said, it's a novella. And I said, well, what's it about? So, give us a quick synopsis so we can have a jumping off point for this conversation. Uh, killing Time is uh, a relatively short story. It's not long enough to be called a novel, but it's a little longer than an actual short story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 10 chapters, probably yeah. less than 40 yeah. pages, uh, a, a pretty quick read yes. and, uh, and fast-paced. Uh, but it's about um, a younger man who resides in Beacon Falls, where <laughs> my wife and I lived for seven years, uh, and um, a, a place that is still dear to my heart. But he suddenly finds himself thrust back into time, and he has an opportunity to do something that would uh, in, indubitably uh, change history forever. Wow. that! And when you told me that, first of all, you you caught me right away with the the kind of he's going back in time. I don't know about our listeners, but I find that concept just as fascinating. And and even on Broadway, there was a show not long ago called If When. You know, if I do this or if that. I'm sorry, I think I misquoting it. But anyway, it's like the road, which you come to that fork. And if I don't go this way, this will happen or this happens. But what if I went that way? What right. would have happened? Exactly. And I think most people are kind of fascinated by that. Yeah. It's the what if that really uh, compelled me yes. in this regards because um, the, the whole gist of the story is um, one that would have a, a lasting and significant impact upon us today. So even, even after all these years. Yes, absolutely. So tell our listeners the character in the story who your your protagonist mm. is trying to intervene um, on behalf of. I kind of uh, imposed some of my own personal thoughts and feelings and emotions upon this character. His name is Simon, mm-hmm. Simon Hastings. He's um, a young man in his early 30s. I never really thought it was that important to give him a specific age, but he um, he's a, a historian. Uh, that's not his actual job, but but he he loves history and mm-hmm. he has studied it enough to become uh, quite proficient in historical events, uh, especially uh, things pertaining to the Civil War. Uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, not far from Gettysburg. My great great grandfather was uh, a corporal in the Pennsylvania Volunteer Regiment, Joseph Walsh. He uh, mm-hmm. was engaged in the Battle at Gettysburg and other great oh. battles. Oh. So I'm I'm very proud of that, but I've always been fascinated by the Civil War. And you know, and sitting here looking at you, you know, you almost Im- embody like a Civil War, <laughs> someone from that time period. Um, well, which thank is you. I take that as a compliment. It is, yes. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, so commensurate with that, uh, I also have developed um, a, a huge admiration for Abraham Lincoln. I I think he's one of the greatest men who ever lived. Mm-hmm. And I know that his assassination is one of the great tragedies of American history. So uh, Simon, 
the, the protagonist uh, finds himself unexpectedly thrust back in time. Uh, it's not something that he did on his own. He just stepped through a portal. And, you know, before we went on air, we were kind of starting to have a conversation mm -hmm. about this idea of a portal, about time having that almost elasticity to it or, or something. Yes. And, I, and I did ask you, because, um, you know, knowing that you're a pastor, I said, how does that kind of jive, that uh, concept right. of time travel, with your Christian beliefs? Right. And that's a great question. And there actually are several examples in Scripture that... Uh, allude to this. Uh, one of them is in um, the book of Joshua, where Joshua is leading uh, his people uh, in uh, a great battle that uh, could could definitely sway their progress, you mm -hmm. know, in their purpose at the time. And um, at Joshua's command, the sun stands still, uh, literally for the course of a day, and that's what allowed them to continue the fight. Because it didn't pass into into evening, the sun actually stopped. And you, you know, you might have to say, "Well, that's a, a matter of faith." But for me, that's not a problem to believe. Right. Right. Uh, then you move all the way forward into the New Testament, and in the Book of Acts, um, early in the Book of Acts, uh, there's a story of uh, an evangelist named Philip, who uh, is uh, just traveling along, he encounters an Ethiopian who's in a chariot. The Ethiopian is reading the scripture but doesn't understand. And Philip uh, joins him and explains the scripture to him. Uh, the Ethiopian then uh, agrees to be baptized. He's, you know, and uh, as a matter of fact, he's the one who suggests it. So Philip says, absolutely, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I'll be happy to do that. Okay. So they walk down into a body of water. Uh, Philip baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch, and as they're walking out of the water, the scripture says that the Spirit of God carried and captured Philip away. And in the same moment, in the next instant, he was in another place, in another city. Wow. Uh, so those That's, are... I, you know, and I... I, I know the Bible somewhat. I'm certainly not as learned as you, but I was like, I never, I never realized that yes. or, or took that in, or you know. Yes. And so that's kind of that's very fascinating to yeah. me. And you know, whether you're a believer or not, it's still um, there's still something to be said. Like those things that we don't understand Correct. have to have an explanation. Yes, and of the some sort. In that regards, I guess I could say at the very least, it pays homage to uh, this possibility. Yeah. You know, because yeah. things did happen that are beyond the realm of, of human explanation. Yes. And, 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 you know, I know as human beings, we're always fascinated and wondering about those things we can't explain. Yes. And, uh, you know, you in, in um, your own in interest in with history. I mean, this seemed like a almost like a perfect um, coming together of yes. your belief system and, you know, your interests Correct. in history. And I, I read the book, I have to say, um, it's, as you said, it's a quick read. I, I downloaded it last night, you can get it on Kindle. Uh, right. On Amazon, rather through your Kindle. Right. Um, I guess you could get a hard copy too. Yes, you can. Um, okay, but um, I wasn't patient for that, and I wanted to read it before our interview, so I downloaded it and I finished it this morning. 
but what I loved about the book, besides, I love the story. It's just kind of a, oh, that's, this is of interest to me because I love history too. Um, I don't think I'm as schooled as you are, you know, in knowing very specific things. But I love the I love knowing what came before, and, yes. and that to me that's just fascinating. And particularly when I think of all people did before they had what we have in terms of tools and right. technology and how they did all the things they did, that to me is just blows my mind. Me too. But but I loved your use of word. Your your. A talented writer. I mean, very. I use the word sparse, and I don't mean. That, I mean this as a um, compliment. But each word, it feels like it was chosen with such care, and it gets the story moved forward, but yet it evokes the time period, and and that to me is like. I know I can be as I've been accused of being verbose sometimes <laughs> in I've, my writing um, by my too. colleague, if yeah. you're listening, which he's probably not. He's too young to listen to radio, I'm sure. But anyway, um, but I, I know that I need to be edited sometimes. Yes. So, so your ability to do that and yet make me interested, and I'm not, I'm totally not blowing smoke here, folks, um, just because he's my guest. It really, I was very in, into it. I And I was, in the way it ended, in the yeah. way it ended, and I and I said to you, uh, "There's a series brewing here." Yeah, it could be. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be challenging. Um, but I have to say, and, and again, thank you for your compliments. I really appreciate that. I am my own worst critic. Oh. So uh, when I work on something and and rework it and come up with a final product. Um, uh, if I like it, that's saying a lot, and <laughs> and I like the story too. Um, you know, Simon finds himself in a position of being able to do something that I wish could have been done. You know, yeah. um, the uh, uh, again Lincoln's death uh, is is still a tragedy today. Yes. I believe that it, yeah. if that had been averted, our world would be better today. Yeah. Uh, I think we're still paying the price of not having his leadership at that critical time. Yeah. And so it it really means something to me. You know, I ponder these things and wonder if only or yeah. what if. Yes. But um, it was an educational thing for me as well because uh, I had to. Uh, learn a few things in order to maintain uh, the authenticity of of the historical facts. And that's so important. And I think in historical fiction, um, which this is, this actually fits in that genre of historical right. fiction. Yes, it is. But you can't just reinvent the facts. Right. Um, you know, the time frame from getting to Beacon Falls to Washington, D.C., specifically Ford's Theater, at that time, um, you know, I had to do some research and study. Well, how long would it take mm -hmm. by train? Yes, uh, the railroad that we have today, running through the Naugatuck Valley, was in existence then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the uh, the mill that he, where which is now an apartment complex yeah. was in existence then. It was actually an active factory that produced woolen goods for uh, the it, Union Army. You know, the research that goes into this. Now, I have to ask you, how did you get to this place? Of I think, you know what, let's take a quick break and then we're going to okay. come back. We're talking to Bill Alsh, who is the pastor of the Rock Church right here in Waterbury, but he's also um, a novelist and an author now um, of the book Killing Time, fascinating historical uh, 
fiction short story novella kind of um, book. Yes. And um, we're going to come back and we're going to hear more of what, how he got to this place and what inspired him. So stay tuned. You're listening to Your Palace, Your Place, brought to you by the Palace Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut. And we'll be back in two minutes. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, Your Palace, Your Place. And we're back with Your Palace, Your Place. We're talking to Bill Ulsh, who's written a book called Killing Time. And it's a fascinating story um, about the kind of what if. What if President Lincoln had not been assassinated? And the protagonist in the story is kind of jumped in to hopefully uh, make a difference in the outcome of history. And that that's the premise of the story. Yes. But before we went to break, I was... I was thinking and wondering, okay, so how does a man who is a pastor of a church all of a sudden decide he's writing this kind of a book? It's a great question. I, I've always loved to write. Um, I love words. I like proper spelling. I'm kind of a stickler for it. Oh, pronunciation okay. and grammar and okay. and punctuation, all those things are important to me. Okay. So it all serves me well. But as I mentioned earlier, um, I am my own worst critic. You must be dying in this texting era. Uh, it, and I, I, I'm guilty. I it, abbreviate and it, make my own words up now. And actually, I'm appalled by it, but and, and, and kind of upset about it because uh, I, I think that we've lost something. Yeah. You know, yeah. in the process of yes. everything. Yeah. When I text, I don't use abbreviations. I, if I spell, we are on our way. Uh, you know, it's not the letter R. It's A R E. Mm-hmm. I spell it all out. I use the proper punctuation. Okay. Um, I'll remember I, that. I, you know, I, I, I don't get upset with others. It's just a, a self-imposed thing that, that I observe. So I've always enjoyed it very much. And I've written quite a few things over time. Um, but it's only been in the past few years that I really got uh, the courage to uh, step out and put these things out for others to see. And, and you so know, it's, it's been a, a wonderful journey. That's, I love that you said that. Because I think that's what holds so many people back from doing things that, you know, um, are on their hearts, Mm -hmm. things that they were meant to do, uh, bring to others. And and it's a fear. And it's funny you said that because I posted on Facebook that I hope God will give me clarity and to fear not. Exactly. Because uh, that's the biggest obstacle. At least it was for me. Yeah. I was afraid of criticism and people saying this and saying that. And I, uh, I got beyond that. And I began to look at what I was writing. And after working on things uh, diligently and carefully and crafting them, you know, in a way that I thought was um, not just acceptable, but, but good. Yeah. And I got to the point where I could say, I like this. I, I really like what I wrote. And yeah. I like even rereading it, you know, yes. once I'm done with the final edit. Well, and it, so it's that obvious. has propelled me forward. I'm sorry to step on your words, but it's obvious that when you use the word craft, that's exactly how I felt reading this. Like, yes. that each sentence was, was carefully constructed. Yes. I like to begin each chapter with something that uh, that that is 
thoughtful and maybe even provocative that mm. makes people stop and think, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. um, the first sentence of this book is days come and days go. Yeah. Yes. You know, instead of just saying Simon was walking down the hallway to the elevator. Mm hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I want yes. it to be something that pulls people in yeah. and says, oh, this this is true. Yes. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. And I think all good writers, they that's what they do, because if you not if you can't capture somebody's attention, you know, in the first like few pages and in your case, I mean, it has to be bam, because it's a 36 page book right, right. now. Um, whether you you make it bigger somewhere along the line, I don't know if that's even come into your thinking. That's a possibility, but because I'm content with I where it is I love right this. Now. I see it as a, I'm sorry, Bill, I have to say it out loud. I can see this character and I see it as a series and yeah. I would be... I would be one of your um, fans. I would Thank be you. reading these books. So um, we've been talking, and I have to, unfortunately, our time just goes quickly. Correct. And um, I just want to thank you for being with us thank this you. morning. I am very honored to be here. Well, you know, I think you have something to share. And I, I like to just bring different things um, to our listeners as a, as a representative of the palace, you know, to expand people's just horizons, things they might not know about, or, you know, discovering new things, new people, new places, yes. whatever it may be. So I appreciate that and that Thank you were here and shared. And um, I I just can't wait to to read the next the next <laughs> chapter of your second act because this sort of started even though he's not a second act person for us yet um, he's he's got a, a, an interesting story so thank you thank you again you're welcome and we're going to take another quick break and then we're going to have a woman uh, who is one of our second actors in fact she's going to be doing a second act presentation and I'll explain that when we come back but she'll be doing that next Saturday the 11th I believe is the date of January and her story is all about love. So stay tuned. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. And we're back with your palace, your place. I'm your host, Sherry Marcucci. And this is a presentation of the Palace Theater here in Waterbury, Connecticut. For those of you who live locally, you know the palace, I'm sure. And if you're listening or streaming this um, this show today or in the future, come and visit us. It's a beautiful, beautifully restored uh, theater that um, presents the best of touring Broadway. We have some great shows coming up for the rest of our season. Uh, have had some great shows. Les Miserables was here in December and uh, A Bronx Tale in October and coming up we have Finding Neverland, Jersey Boys An American in Paris Chicago lots of good things and um, actually in January too I should mention that for those of you who love um, comedy and love uh, just a good all around entertainer we have coming up in January, Jerry, January 18th Terry Fader. Terry Fader, for those, if you don't know, you might not be living on this planet, but he won America's Got Talent in, I think it was 2010, and he has gone on to have an explosive career. He's a singer, ventriloquist, comedian. Um, he's actually got a room now 
named for him in Vegas. He's been has a residency there. He is a huge, huge uh, star entertainer, and he's coming to the Palace Theater in Waterbury January 18th. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, this is a great show for the whole family, whole family. So um, you know, if you like laughter, he does all kinds of impersonations. I hear that President Trump does make an appearance nightly, whether you love him or hate him, but I'm sure it's funny. And um, a whole host of other uh, characters that he in incorporates into his show. So tickets are available. Come and get them. We also have um, thought changer, uh, positive um, thinker, uh, just uh, huge. Uh, Oprah has taken him under her wing. Deepak Chopra coming February 20th to the Palace in Waterbury. Folks, this is huge. Okay, do not miss this. If you if you don't know who he is, then Google him and find out. But don't miss the fact that he's coming to this city. This is uh, this is enormous. So um, get your tickets; they're on sale now. And so I promised you that we were going to talk in this segment to a woman who about love, and she is our second act uh, presenter on January 11th. For those who might not know, second. Second Act is a series we've been doing now for the past year and a half at the Palace Theater. And the premise is that people have uh, wonderful stories, things that they're doing in their second acts of life. So we have been, we've put together some just great presenters who have had everything from being a rock star to um, being authors. Uh, Broadway producer, we, uh, all kinds of things. Um, we've had a sleep coach. And today, I'm going to introduce you to Karenna Alexander, who is a relationship coach. Karenna, welcome to your palace, your place. Hi, it's great to be here. That's great. Um, you know, I'm so excited because people are like, okay. What is this? What is a relationship coach? How does one become one? What's her story? And of course, we want you to come to hear her story in person on January 11th, which, by the way, is a little change in our schedule. It's a Saturday afternoon. It starts at noon with lunch. And then Karenna will begin her presentation about 12.30, and there'll be time for Q&A after that. But for $25, and $20 if you're an AARP or an OLLI member, you get to hear from uh, somebody with a fascinating story and lunch, or at, when they're in the evening, dinner. So, And the food, by the way, this year has been being done by um, Ralph... Ralph, I can't think of Ralph's last name. Johnny, what's Ralph's last name? Cantito. <laughs> Ralph Cantito. How could I forget Ralph? Um, his food is just yum, yum, and yummier. He's done a beautiful job. He's, uh, I just love him. And Ralph has his own business called Home on the Range. You know, if you're having a little dinner party and you're not so adept in the kitchen or you just don't want to be bothered dial up Ralph and Ralph can help you out and put a beautiful he comes to your home works in your kitchen and does a beautiful job so he's doing wow. our food anyway Karenna 
how do you, you know, how did you get to this place of being a relationship coach? What's your, what's your PhD in love? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a really good question. Cause I think about that too, because when I, when I was in my, um, going to school under my undergraduate was at UConn, I majored in journalism. Okay. I know, you know, my, yes. my background, Yes, but I, our listeners don't. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. So I, back then I, if you had said I would be a dating coach someday, I would have. I would have been perplexed because I didn't even know back then that dating coaches existed. Okay. So I understand why maybe some people today even don't understand. Um, and But I had a career in journalism for decades. and But this career started um, for me. My second act started because I had a dating problem of my own. And I find a lot of people's second acts come about that way. Um, through a problem or something they need to solve. They end up helping themselves and they help others. And then they want to just share what they've learned with the world. I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right about that. Yeah. So that's what happened to me. And it started as a hobby. So I, I did get certified as a dating coach. I know. So you... you People wonder, you know. Well, you're speaking to my heart because those who know me, this is one of my goals in life is to match make somebody Ooh. who they end up being together in a long-term oh. committed relationship. I guess I've just got a Yenta's heart. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, right. So, yeah, I did it as a hobby. Well, first of all, I, I had this pro- I was like a, a crime reporter by day. Um, I oh. was, I covered murder trials and all kinds of trials. Wow. Papers in Connecticut. Okay. This is my background, journalism. Yes. And, but then, you know, as a single person, I was dating and I had a problem. Um, I ended up reading a book that really um, resonated with me. I called the ladies who wrote the book and they actually helped me out so much um, that I ended up calling them for advice a lot. (laughs) And then they offered to coach me um, to train me as a dating coach. They offered a certification. So yeah, I was trained by them. And like I said, it started as a hobby. By day I was covering murder trials. By night I was just helping people. And it wasn't a business back then. It was, like I said, a hobby. Sometimes people would call me and I would answer their questions. I would be walking around New York City and I'd answer a question. Um, <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, just mail me a check. And back then it was like, okay, $25. Or, yeah, yeah. It was just, I didn't treat it as a business. Yeah. But slowly things evolved. And um, as the journalism industry changed, it sort of is different than what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And I was just looking for something different, something okay. that I was really passionate which, about. Which, I mean, I give you credit because that's sort of a... Um no, there's no safety net there. No. So, go ahead. What That's you- actually a really good question. And that that is something, if anyone, um, right, that on Saturday, um, if they want to hear more about that, how to do that, which it's yeah. very tricky. You're right. There's no safety net. So, I, did, I, I didn't quit my day job right away. That's smart. And that's what I would advise, because... It's stressful if you do that. So let's let's paint a picture here. Yeah. So the typical person who reaches out to you, and I mean, do you have a website? Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share what that is? Sure. It's CorinnaAlexander dot com. Okay. And hey. Corinna, I think you need to spell. I know. For I know. I know. I know. Right. K a r e n n a. And then just Alexander. Okay. Like Alexander dot com. the Great. Dot com. Okay. Exactly. So that's, if you're listening and you say, oh, I need some help here. I could, or my best friend needs some coaching in this department. You can, they can find you there. But 
who who is your typical person who's who comes to you? How do they, you know, what really good is question. that? What does that look like? Yeah, no, that's a great question because I, I, it's mainly women. It's funny because um, <laughs> I tell people this all the time, and men really don't think they need the help, so they don't often. Ask for help. Well, you and know, don't hire it, dating coaches. we were talking about this yeah. before, and that's not unusual. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> you see the analogy of, and ladies, you know this, if you're driving with a man and we're lost, of course, with a GPS today, who can get lost? But they never want to stop to ask directions. It's like they think it's a sign of weakness to ask for help, I guess, which is crazy in today's world to think that. And I, I don't think all men think that, but I think, you know, in any helping profession, I think you see more of a preponderance of women saying, I need you, because we're, we're socialized that way. We share our problems. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And it's funny because I was a matchmaker for a few years. I added that as a service. Um, well, how, how is that different from it, a yeah. relationship coach and great a matchmaker? Question. Great question. That's a great question, because a lot of people don't know that. So um, I added, well, I was a dating coach for a while, and then I decided to become certified as a matchmaker as well, because Matchmakers help, basically they do, they find a person for you. They go out and do the work. They find that person. They they physically either go out into the community or have recruiters that go out and just find someone for you. Okay. Um, And then it's up to you to make it work. You the person. Exactly. Okay. And I did for a few years, but what I found was, and I found men would hire me for that which is a very interesting thing we uh, okay willing to pay for like the the service service. so they don't have to go out and find the person they don't want to really necessarily talk and do the i hate to say that but yeah they don't want to talk like the women (laughs) want to talk and improve and Uh, okay they're more and and even the ones a lot of them say oh yeah 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 i'll be happy to be coached but they don't really want to be coached they just want to do what they want to do and they want you to give them yeah, the person. And they want it that's in it. a nice the transaction package with the bow it. on top, and it's all done. Exactly. Okay. That, that's really what I found. I get you. So I kind of moved away from matchmaking, partly because I enjoy. I just enjoyed the coaching much. Okay. Much so more, tell me, I come to you. I'm I'm in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Am I in a relationship generally? Well, it, actually, that's a really good question. It's both. Um, okay. Half, it's about half and half. Half of the, the women that come to me, I do have a few male coaching clients. I shouldn't, you know, say that I right. don't have any. No, and I, I do have a few. It's just mainly it's women. Um, so it's fifty percent about approximately are single, totally single, yep. or just gotten out of a relationship, have no idea what to do. Maybe they were in a marriage for years and they have never even like. It's been 30 years since they dated. They have no idea what to do with online oh, dating. Online that's dating's huge now. Um, maybe they need a makeover. Maybe they're not f- feeling confident. Um, so I, I do all kinds of Or maybe they're services. making the same mistake over and over. The, exactly. There's the outer game, which I do. From, I have a course called Frumpy to Fabulous. I do fashion and fun stuff. Oh. I also do online writing of online dating profiles but oh. then there's a huge inner aspect which is a, you, you hit it you hit yeah, the nail on the head it's a lot of people self-sabotage yes I can um, understand that I mean I think back my younger years yeah. and you know or you see people who are serial <laughs> marriers or, or getting married and that they're marrying that same person over and over again and it's not working why isn't it working 
it's a huge thing. And I started offering a course after a few years called Manifesting Manifesting Mr. Forever, where we go into a lot of the inner game. Oh. Because I did a... I ch- I've evolved, too, because I've started to see people were, even beautiful models were struggling. And it, it's not always about, you the, know, the, the physical. physical. That's a, a part of it, sure. And that's what attracts a man to a woman, clearly. And um, But... There's a whole inner thing too. Oh, I, I I think for anything to last, if you know, you have to. Mm-hmm. It's like unwrapping a package. I mean, you, you, t- you usually tear into it and you know throw away that package, and then if there's not something of substance inside that box um, that you know can last, then it's you know that uh, all that glittery wrapping and bows was for naught. Exactly. And I have, I'm writing a book, too, that should be out in the, by summer. And it's, it talks about that, how looks are important, especially to a man. I mean, because yeah. I'm writing a book to help women understand men. And men are definitely visual. Okay? Mm-hmm. Men are attracted mm-hmm. to looks. Yes. But you can lose a man fast, too, if you have a bad attitude or if you're mean or nasty, nagging. Yeah. Men hate nagging. <laughs> but we're putting all the emphasis now on what mm-hmm. women do wrong. Yeah. So... Be- is yeah. there a flip side to this? Yeah. Okay. But exactly. But because I coach, um, because women tend to be who I coach, and women want to be coached. I yes. Right. A lot of my advice is geared toward women. But yes, men men have their own. Both have their own pluses and minuses. Like I'm not. I don't like to uh, diss right. men at all. I'm not. I don't think men are jerks necessarily. You know, and I right. don't think women are awful either. I think both have their pros and their cons. Yeah. But. Men, it, diff- men and women are different, which is interesting. And you know, and, it, and it's true. I mean, I, I, and we could argue this till the cows yep. come home. So I don't want to get into yep. a whole yep. philosophical. But in, inherently, there are some differences. There are in how we process information and how we respond to stimulus. I mean, we are wired differently, and I think science has proven that. I don't think this is just me saying this. Yeah. So it, that's really kind of why I got into this I think when I was having my dating problems I kind of was in this position that I think a lot of modern women today are in like we think we can go after everything we want in business and we can't and we're equal to men for sure it's yeah. not that it's just that romantically I didn't see the differences I and once I learned that men and women are different romantically that's when things changed for me that's when I became a dating coach that's when I wanted to learn everything about this aspect and that's when I started helping other women in and it's like almost magical once you just start to respect that we're different yeah. romantically it's yes. not that we're subservient no I absolutely mean, not and I, and I think in there's a, a beautiful book I know that's out and it's mm-hmm. called love languages I think oh yeah and but it talks about how you know uh, men and women have a different way of expressing love. And if you don't know the other's language of how they're doing that, you're missing something because you're not appreciating, you know, or you're, you know, you're not valuing, not valuing someone else's gift of love to you in this way. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. about healthy, you know, I'm not talking about anything, you know, that's, you know, it's not good for you. Right. um, Behaviors. But, you know, for instance, I I think of like, 
I don't know how um, I don't know the guy in a relationship may be the one not necessarily but maybe the one who you know gets the car serviced or um, takes the garbage out or things of that nature and you might think well you're supposed to do that but really it's an expression of I care for you I care for the unit we've built if there's a family involved and so I do these things out of love and so I and Johnny you're I hate when you have to tell me we only have three minutes left. Oh, no, I know it's so much fun. I could talk about this for hours. I know we get into it's a great conversation. So many angles. And um, so, what are some what are some things people can expect if they come to see you on January 11th at the Palace Theater in our nice little intimate polite club? By the way, so it's a warm, cozy spot. You know, you get a nice lunch. And what can they expect to hear from you, Corinna? Well, I'll talk about my background and how I've transitioned. But I, I think a lot of people are going to come. What's the takeaway? They so. want to hear about dating tips. Yes. And so I'm going to talk about online dating and give them uh, some really key online dating tips. That'll be, I know people will, because they want to take something away that mm-hmm. they can put into use. Yeah, exactly. On um, how, there's certain tips and tricks to the trade, to online dating, believe it or not. Um, I've About 70% of my clients have met either their boyfriends or husbands online. Wow. Um, the other 30, various other ways, either through um, friends or I'm thinking of one met at a bar recently, but um, but it's online is huge. Yes. And I, a lot yeah. of people don't like it because for various reasons. So I'm going to try to make it more palatable and give people and what to look out for how to be safe how to be safe safe. actually efficient there's i think that's why people don't like to do it um and i'll also discuss other ways to meet people so if you're listening and you say i'm ready to take a step into 2020 and i'm looking hoping open to a a relationship you don't want to miss Karenna Alexander's second act presentation at the Palace Theater on January 11th how do you get tickets you just call the box office 203-346-2000 stop down to 100 East Main Street and walk into our box office Um, you can also get tickets online at palacetheaterct.org where you're going to find our whole season outlined for you lots of great stuff coming up in 2020 we're um, in, a, in about, mm, I would say, two months, maybe a little less. We'll be announcing also our 2021 Broadway series season, wow. Webster Broadway series season. So, you know, time moves fast um, when we're having fun, and we always have fun at the Palace Theater. I want to thank you for listening to Your Palace, Your Place. Uh, I hope that you'll tune in every first and third Friday of the month at 9, 10 a.m. till 10 o'clock, where we bring you a little this, a little that. And, of course, all that's going on at the Palace Theater. I, it's my pleasure to be here and bring you what I hope is some interesting information about the world around us. And until next time, I want you to stay tuned to your local news coming up next. And then Steve Knoxon. Have a wonderful beginning of 2020, everybody. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place.